pushing the limits. Mountain, why don't we give a warm, hearty uh, hello to all the, the souls who made it out today to one of our campuses, either at Bel Air or Edgewood or Mountain Road or Abingdon, or if you're joining us online, everybody say Happy New Year to each other. Happy New Year. We're really glad you made it, especially today on this, uh, this snowing weekend. This is the time of year when we first start getting a few flakes and everyone throws into a panic and everyone wonders, are we going to have church? Here's kind of here's my attitude about this whole thing when we have a little snow. This is a dusting. Well, you can't read that. Pastor B, like you still coming to church, right? And here you are. Hey, I know some of you are joining us online. And uh, today we have an unusual number of, of folk who are joining us online. Uh, right now we've got uh, Tina, who's joining us on military duty, and Kara up in Philly, and TJ and Joe, and a whole bunch of others. We're really glad you're with us. Shout out to you guys. Uh, and uh, if, if you're uh, unable to be safe today, you're home watching uh, as well. We're glad you're with us. We want to jump in here uh, with what we're talking about. Let me start by telling you a story. A man had his daughter, and she grew up, turned into this uh, beautiful adult who, who told her dad, Dad, I'm, I found the man I want to marry. And I know you haven't even met him. I want to bring him to you. I've set up a meeting for tomorrow at 3 o'clock. He's shocked and you know, didn't see this coming. But sure enough, next day at 3 o'clock, knock on the door. Guy opens the door, and there he is, sticks his hand and says, I'm Larry. I want to marry your daughter. He says, well, I've got a lot of questions for you. Come on in. He sits down, and uh, Larry says, fire away. I've got no secrets. Dad's overwhelmed by this. He comes up with a question. He says, well, Larry, tell me, um, what do you do? Uh, you got a job? You... You, you got a career, directions, like that? And Larry says, no, not really. I don't have a job. I don't have a direction or career or anything like that. But, but God will provide. Well, that kind of makes Dad nervous a little bit. He says, well, Larry, what, what about money or, or resources? You got any money in the bank? You got an asset? You got a house or anything like that at all to try and provide for my daughter? And... He says, oh, no, no, I don't have any money. I don't have any, anything like that, no house or assets like that. But don't worry, God will provide. Well, now he's getting really nervous. You know, he's getting really nervous. And, and he says, Larry, Larry what, what are your dreams? What, what are your, your goals? What are your aspirations in, in, the, in life? What do, you, what do you hope to see your life head in what direction? And he says, oh, I don't have any of that. I don't have any goals or dreams or aspirations or anything like that. But don't worry. He said, what? God will provide. Well, you know, Dad is traumatized as the meeting ends. He just doesn't really know what to think about this. And, and he walks out of the meeting, and, and, and his wife walks in. And she says, well, how did the meeting go? And he says, well, I don't know. I, I think there's some pretty bad news, and I guess there's some good news. She says, well, what's the bad news? He says, well, he's got no job, he's got no money, and he's got no dreams, no goals. She says, that's horrible. Well, what's the good news? And he says, well, he thinks I'm God. So, that one's probably hitting a little close to home to some of us. It's a silly story, but it does kind of speak some truth about 
how some relationships work, doesn't it? Um, sometimes, sometimes another person kind of wants or expects you to be God for them, to take responsibility for something that really is their responsibility. Yeah, be God in my in my money. Because I've got this big financial crisis, I've got this big problem, and it's your emergency. So bail me out, fix me up here, uh, make it go away. If you love me, if you're a good father or you're a good daughter, you'd do this for me, right? Or someone says, I need you to be God in my personality because I, I have this quirky thing and I, I'm strange and I'm self-centered and I've gotten myself into these pickles, and, but I need you to fix it. I need you to apologize. I need you to cover for me and smooth it over and make it all right because I'm not going to change. I'm just going to keep doing this and it's your job to sort of put up with it. Or be God in my problems, because I've got so many problems right now, and, and I mean, these, the mistakes I have made and these failures, but I just need you to rescue me. I need you to fix it and shield me from the consequences that are coming to me, because this is really bad and it'll hurt me if, it, if you don't help. Or be God in my emotional issues. Be God in all these other ways. And we're, we're talking about pushing the limits. We're talking about boundaries and lines and limits So let me ask you a question. Who's asking you to be God for them in some area? So you can kind of own responsibility for something that maybe you never thought of this way, but it's probably their responsibility. Maybe flip it around just as an important question. What are you expecting someone else to take care of that maybe is really your responsibility? These are the issues of limits and lines in life and what we sometimes call boundaries. There's a book called Boundaries. A couple of Christian authors, Henry Cloud and John Townsend, have have, uh, written some stuff on that. And we've drawn from that and we're using these ideas to teach these biblical principles. Last week, Luke framed up the whole thing beautifully. If you didn't listen to that, go online and grab that thing because it's powerful and it really sets up where we're going. He reminded us that we tend to resist limits in life a lot of times because we see them as bad or restrictive and confining. But the fact is limits are good and they're beautiful and they work. They're what give life purpose and boundaries and and energy. Like whether you're talking about a game that makes sense when you have rules and a scoreboard or whether you're talking about a river that instead of a pool that just spreads, it can run now with energy or whether we're talking about something uh, in in life or from the Bible here. The fact is this. Your yeses and your noes in life determine what kind of life you have. It's just the facts. It's just true. And so... God ultimately says, trust me, make, let me set your limits, limit yourself to me, and I will open up your life to you in beautiful and wonderful ways. And today we want to see how that principle and these biblical ideas apply in the realm of relationships. Our relationships, boundaries in our relationships is a huge and important area. And I want to encourage you just to do an honest look, kind of like a little self-assessment of a kind of survey of your relationships and be thinking about which ones maybe, maybe have some signs of unhealth or, you know, sniff around a little bit. It's not always easy to tell because the deal is we grow up with certain ways of relating and treating and responding and reacting and we don't even realize it's not normal. It just, and we don't realize that we have the capacity to change because we think that's the way you're supposed to behave. And yet, what I hope to do is show you these biblical principles so that some of us can see, wait, some of my relationships aren't as healthy as they 
could be, and I can draw some boundaries that will lift me and these relationships to a better place. Not all of them can improve because it's not all up to you, but you can take responsibility for the part you can. And so I hope you'll kind of look around a little bit. It's sometimes hard to see, you know, whether your relationships are healthy or not. Um, It's like uh, sometimes you need a little quiz. Remember Jeff Foxworthy? He used to do that thing, you might be a redneck if kind of gave you a little quiz there, you know, uh, you know, you might be a redneck if you've ever mowed the lawn and you found a car, didn't know it was there. Or you might be a redneck if your wife has ever said, get this transmission out of here, I want to take a bath. <laughs> That's funnier than you were giving me credit for there. <laughs> if, if, if you think a turtleneck is like a vital element in soup, you might be a redneck. So that, these, are some, these are some of the uh, uh, little tests, right? Well, we need some tests sometimes when it comes to relationships and what's really healthy. Let me give you some of the indicators. You know, if you're, if you're tired a lot and you hurry a lot and you're late a lot and feeling overscheduled and feel like you've just got too much to do and you're either resentful about it or secretly proud about it, you might need some better boundaries. Or if you can't go 30 minutes without checking your phone, you might need some better boundaries. If your kids don't listen or they don't come to dinner until you yell the fourth time, you might, you might be in need of some better boundaries. If you've ever taken a vacation to a place you didn't really want to go to be with someone that you didn't really want to be with, but because they dropped some little guilt trip on you, you felt like you had to, you might need some better boundaries. If, if you have trouble closing your zipper on your britches or your skirt, <laughs> and you, 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 uh, you look in the mirror or on the scale and you think, I really need to do something about that one of these days, but you just can't ever seem to get around toward a plan toward better health, then you might be a person who needs some better boundaries. If, if, you, if you're dating and you have found yourself going someplace, either physically or romantically or geographically or even conversationally, that you weren't really comfortable going but you didn't know what else to do or you were afraid if you didn't, then they might ditch you, you might need some better boundaries. If you have a friend who's always in crisis mode, but they call you because you tend to always listen, even though you've got your own issues, and sometimes it makes you get behind on your stuff in a way where they just know you're going to say yes, and you sense it's an imbalanced relationship. They always seem to do all the asking, and you seem to always do all the giving, and you don't like it, but you can't fix it. You might need some boundary work. If your kid pushes you around when they throw a tantrum and you don't know what to do about it, you might need some boundary work. If someone speaks to you disrespectfully or demandingly or abusively or treats you in other ways in a controlling way and you somehow come away feeling like it's your fault and then you go into smooth it over mode to make it all better until things settle down, you might need some better biblical boundaries. If you, can, if you can sense that maybe something's not quite healthy or right in some of your relationships and life isn't working in this area 
to, to the way that you know it could. And you've got some emotional and spiritual pain or even fatigue around these issues. And trying harder isn't working. And being nice to comply or people-pleasing isn't working. And taking responsibility of someone else's life is not working. And you feel like if you did set limits, it would be unloving or they might think you're selfish or, or, or mean. Then guess what? You're normal. Because a lot of us struggle with this and we all need some work on our boundaries and our relationships and we want to give each other the gift of seeing how the scriptures can help us put some limits down that will open up life to us we're talking about relationships and the key is we're not talking just about having relationships we're talking about having healthy relationships because not all relationships are healthy not all relationships give life they can drain life and so what's the key? Well, the key ultimately is love, the ingredient of love. This is sort of love. First John 4, 7, and 8 describes where love comes from. It's God's. Dear friends, let us love one another. That's, that's, that's the goal. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And so God is this God of love who says to us in Jeremiah 31, I have now loved you with an everlasting love. The quality of God's love is deep and robust and strong and beautiful. And, and the Bible actually calls it perfect love. And perfect love casts out fear. Because a lot of us in our relationships have so much fear that enters in. I'm afraid if I say that, she'll get mad. I'm afraid if I say that, he might not call me again. I'm afraid if we do that, you know, he'll blow up. And all these things happen and we have this fear. And, and, and this is not pure, good, everlasting love from God. God's love is not like that. It's healthy. It's pure. It's life-giving. It is not manipulative. It is not a guilt trip. It doesn't push you around. God doesn't even step across our boundaries. He says, I am God. This is me. Here's who I am. You're not me. I'm not you. But you're you, and I made you in my image, which means you are a real person, and you can interact with God in a relationship of love. And then Jesus comes and is fully God and also fully human and shows us what it looks like when this beautiful God-perfect everlasting love shows up in human relationships sometimes. And then he turns to you and me and he says, now you've got to learn to love this way. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, not optional, you've got to do this, love one another. As I have loved you, in other words, love each other in the same way that you saw me loving. So you must love one another. And that's how people will know you're my disciples. Your relationships are supposed to look a little different than people who don't know Jesus because this everlasting love has come to you and it is now allowed to flow through you. In other words, we're talking about looking more like Jesus. We're talking about some changes that are going to have to happen in our life. We're talking about moving to maturity. It matters. We're talking about growing up for some of us. Growing past some of the ways we learned from our families of origin, growing past some of the ways that we're manipulating others or letting others manipulate us that are not life-giving, not God-honoring, and it's holding you back from fulfilling the purpose that God has put you on the planet to do because you're using all your sideways energy just to survive dysfunctional relationships. So that's a lot. Here's how I kind of think of it. Some of you right now aren't doing so well in some relationships. It might be a marriage. It might be something with one of your kids or an in-law or a workmate. And you brought it in from last year. And it might go way back to your childhood even, but to the way you always relate, whatever. But it's just 
things aren't going so well. And what I'm proposing to you is that nothing is going to change until there's a change. Some of us need to be open to a change. So either you're here to hear a nice little talk and then walk away and have nothing different, or you might need to be evaluating, is there something that might need to change? And what I'm suggesting to you is a change often that's needed is the setting of a boundary, a line or a limit that's more life-giving and God-honoring and biblical. And I will warn you, that will not always be comfortable. There will be some pain involved for some of us if we set a boundary. If you say, I'm sorry, but I can't continue to enable or rescue you right now. Or I'm sorry, um, I have to show some tough love in this circumstance. Or I'm sorry, I won't allow you to speak to me that way. And someone might call you mean or cruel or how could you do this or call you names or get upset and there might be some pain and discomfort. But that pain or discomfort is small compared to the pain or discomfort that we have right now in some of our relationships. And the only way to get where we want to go to a life-giving, flourishing set of relationships where we can be in 2019 is by making some changes, by setting some boundaries and enduring whatever discomfort so we can get there. Proverbs 4.23 is one of those great verses that's probably one of the best verses in the Bible on limits. It just says, above all else, what's really important is to guard your heart. Put up a boundary around the you that's you. A boundary is simply a sort of line or limit, like your house, the, the walls of your house, the, the edges of your yard. It says, this is me, and this is my stuff, and this is you over there. This is my responsibility. I have to own certain things, and, and then you have to own certain things. And we can give each other permission to come in and out, but if we don't give permission, when someone just walks into your house and sort of owns some of your stuff and messes with your stuff and you didn't want them to, that, that's a boundary issue. And that's not all on them, it's on you. And if you just trample over other people's boundaries, that's, that's, that's partly on them, but it's partly on you. So John Townsend uh, says... There are two ingredients that are like coming together like hands. And I think it's so true. In the Bible, there are two vital ingredients in every healthy relationship. I want to tell you about them uh, right now. I think you probably know this. But the first vital ingredient in every healthy relationship is grace. Grace. Grace is simply the kindness and goodness and compassion and love of God. Grace says, and there's nothing you can do to perform or, you know, sort of earn uh, more love from me. That's how God loves us. He's on your side no matter what. You can't perform and make him love you more. You can't mess up in a way that would make him love you less. That's grace. And this grace comes from God, but then God wants his people to be gracious, to be grace-filled so that then we become the delivery system of it to others. First Peter 4 illustrates that. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. The word gift there means grace. 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So you're the delivery system of God's grace to other people in relationships. Every relationship needs grace or it can't survive and thrive long as a healthy relationship. If you're stuck in a relationship right now, it's not going somewhere. It's a real good possibility that one of the reasons it's stuck is that it needs an infusion of grace. Someone needs to forgive someone. Someone needs to show some kindness. That's very often the problem. Every relationship needs grace. When someone listens to you, doesn't condemn you, doesn't judge you, that's grace showing up in a relationship, treating someone like God treats us. And what that does is it makes it safe. Grace makes a relationship safe. When, when someone's condemning or judging or not accepting or, and they're just kind of critical in a negative way, what happens? How do we feel? Well, we shut down. We don't be honest anymore. We kind of protect ourselves, and you don't have a healthy relationship anymore. It's not safe. And so safe relationships come from grace where there's no record-keeping and no condemnation, and every healthy relationship needs a big dose of grace. The other key ingredient or vital element in a healthy relationship that comes together that's just as important as grace is what? What do you think it is? Truth. It's truth. <laughs> you're, you're almost on it. Same idea. So these are both part of love, right? Grace and truth. What's truth? Truth is simply what's real. Okay, so it's what is. Uh, so whether we're talking about gravity or something lo- like a law from physics or some truth from the Bible or some truth in our relationship, truth is simply what is. And the fact is that sometimes, no matter how true something is, we don't see it or acknowledge it. We're blind. All of us are blind to certain things. And so what a relationship needs is the gift of someone coming and telling the truth. So Ephesians 4 talks a lot about grace and love, but it also talks about truth. Verse 25 says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood. Stop lying to each other. Stop pretending that everything's okay when it's not. Stop candy-coating the situation. Stop glossing. Stop avoiding difficult conversations. Put off falsehood instead. Speak truthfully. Verse 15 says the same thing another way. It says, instead, what do we need to do? Speak the truth in love. There it is, grace and truth brought together. How we speak is important. I've learned this around Mountain. You know, they call me lead pastor here. And one one of the implications of that is is that sometimes the more responsibility you have or, you know, where where you fall in the the organization sometimes means that, that people lie to you. I mean, they wouldn't say it that way, but they don't tell you the truth sometimes. We had a project we were working on, and I was working with some younger staff who'd been owning some of the project. And, and uh, actually, I, I, was, I was the one who owned the, the project and, and asked them for some feedback. How do you think we did? They knew I'd let it and put a lot into it. But, yeah, you know, they, they gave me, oh, it was great, and gave me a bunch of nice, fluffy stuff as feedback. I said, thank you. You know, why'd they do that? Well, they, they didn't think I really wanted feedback. They didn't think I really wanted the truth. They thought I wanted a bunch of nice stuff. So that's what they gave me. He wants happy talk. So they gave me happy talk. I said, no, I, I appreciate that. <clears throat> what I really want is the truth. So if there's any more truth, I want, I want to hear that. And then I went on to critique some things that they had done to kind of show them what I meant. And boy, I didn't hold back on them. I let them have it. You know, you could do this better, that better. You know, I think we could really make this work, work better. Well, the next time around when I asked them, guess what? They didn't pull any punches. They, you're not so hot yourself, they started with, you know. And they could do this, you could do this differently and that differently. That wasn't as effective as you think, you know. So I said, you're fired. 
No. So, no, uh, I had a moment there where I had to decide, well, how was I going to respond, defensively, or do I welcome the truth? Did I, re- did I view this as a retaliation or some sort of unkindness? No, I, I, in a rare moment of wisdom, I, I wrote down what they said, and we tried to say, this is great. Thank, how can we get to work on making some of this better? Help, thanks for helping me with this. Jesus brings these elements together. Grace and truth. John 1, 14. Brings them together beautifully. This is the Word. God in human form. Full of grace and truth. Some of us need more grace in our relationships. You might need to bring more grace. Some of you. Some kindness. Some little less selfishness. You might need to bring some forgiveness. You know, unforgiveness is a boundary problem. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to to make someone pay from the past or something like that. You've left a door open where now that event, that person, that thing from a long time ago has come right into your house and taken up occupation space in your head, in your brain, in your heart. And you all you have forgiveness only takes one person, you, to do it. Reconciliation takes two. Forgiveness takes one. And when you forgive someone, you set yourself free and you put a boundary up where you can live at peace now because you're not trying to draw on an account where you're never going to get something. Some of us need more grace in our relationships toward others. But I bet a lot of us need more truth. More truth-telling. We need to learn that speaking the truth is not unloving. In fact, sometimes it's the most loving thing we can do. Or hearing the truth does not mean someone's being mean to us, but because they love us. As you think through your relationships right now, maybe there's one in particular that God has kind of brought to the forefront in your mind as we've been talking. I wonder, do you think it might need more grace or truth from you? Let me, let's try to keep breaking this down and getting super practical here, okay? Let's get real practical and talk about some of the problems uh, with, with boundaries, okay? Some of the relationship things that pop up that say, so that we can identify them and say, oh, that's not, that's not normal? Okay. And, and sometimes putting labels and words to things kind of helps us identify and figure out how we can maybe move forward. So let's talk a little bit about some of the problems. One of the, one of the, one of the kind of problems we can run into is, uh, is when either ourselves or someone else, I'm going I'm to call them the out-of-controllers, <laughs> is living their life in a way that's out of control. These are the out-of-controllers, right? The, these are people who, who are selfish in that they are dealing, they're, they're sort of on the loose in a, in a certain sort of way, and they're focused on their issue. Romans 13, 13 talks about a lot of, Romans 13 is a great chapter. It talks about how to love properly in relationships, but then it ends with this saying, so don't do this stuff. And it says, let us behave decently as a daytime, not carousing and drunkenness. Sexual, immoral, sexual immorality is, is a boundary issue. Where you don't respect your own or someone else's. Debauchery or dissension where someone's always creating arguments and fighting. Or jealousy, I want what you want. Always moving across boundaries. But rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you uh, know what it's like to be out of control or to live with someone who is. Their attitude is either impulsive or their behavior is impulsive. They're out of control. 
You don't know what they're going to do next. They might damage relationships or property. You don't listen to the truth. You trample on grace. The best example is an addict. It's a beautiful, it's a, it's a powerful example. And if you're in relationship or you love an addict, everything I'm saying is ringing very true to you right now. Um, their behavior and attitude, they're not in control. They're, they're imprisoned by alcohol or drugs or porn or gambling or eating or what have you. And to love that person is hard because what you tend to want to do is start taking responsibility for something that really is theirs. You don't want them to hurt. You want to make it stop. You want to try to help. So often what we do is we come in and try to act like a parent to fix or or rescue them, and we end up enabling them. And this is that word codependent. And it's hard because they don't get better and neither do you. There was a guy who um, was going to a counselor. Um, well, actually, he wasn't going to a counselor. It was a guy who, uh, who had a drinking problem. Here's how you know he had a drinking problem. Almost every time he drank, he got drunk. Okay? That's a problem. And uh, he didn't think he had a drinking problem. What he thought he had was a girlfriend nagging problem. If she would just stop nagging, then we wouldn't have a problem here. I'd be happy as a clam. A drunk clam, but I'd be happy. So the girl friend was in for counseling. And the counselor asked her, well, what are you, what's your plan? How are you going to respond to this? And she says, well, i got a bunch of things I'm doing. Well, tell me about them. She says, well, when he goes out drinking with his friends, I go along and I'm the designated driver. Sounds good on the surface, but she sits in the bar while they slowly become less fluent in English. And then when they're all soused up, she drives them home. She thinks she's helping. She says, I have some Celebrate Recovery materials that I, I leave on the coffee table. Oh, I bet he's going to pick those up and just repent right on the spot. Put his beer down and rush off to a meeting, won't he? What else are you doing? She says, well, I text him and I ask him, are you drinking? Oh, that'll fix it. Now, I don't mean to make light of it because we don't know what to do, but sometimes the things we do don't actually help. When he lost his job, she paid for his house for several months so he could get back on his feet. And the counselor said to her words that a lot of us need to hear, how's that working for you? Because it doesn't work. It doesn't help the out-of-control person, and it doesn't help you, and it's this infinite loop of codependency, and it doesn't end until someone puts up a boundary with a change and goes through the pain of getting to a better place. So when someone finally can say things like, I'm not going to drive you anymore. I'm not going to rescue you. I'm not going to pay for you anymore. Not because I'm mean. Not because I quit on this relationship. Not because you're bad, but because I've got to draw a boundary out of love for you. We need grace and truth. I've given you grace. I'm going to give you truth. And that is that this is killing you and it's killing me. So I'm going to bring a change and set a boundary. And I know it will hurt both of us, but it's what we got to do. Here's another boundary problem is uh, not just those who are the, the controllers, but there are those who are the compliance. These are people who can't say no. They just can't say no. They want to say no sometimes, but they have a boundary issue where they, they just can't say, they, they say yes to even bad things. And they let all kinds of stuff in. They think it's impolite or not Christian to say no. Aren't we supposed to love everyone and serve everyone and say yes and be available all the time? And the answer is nope. 
And not even Jesus did that. God wants us to know we can say no, and you must say no. You must take responsibility for setting up some boundaries sometimes to say things like, I can't do that. Or please don't do that. Please don't speak to me that way. Don't touch me like that. That's our responsibility. It's not like, okay, it's important that we do. But compliance are people who have a hard time and they melt to meet the demands of everyone. They pretend to like stuff because they're afraid of hurting someone's feeling. They're afraid of someone not liking them or leaving them or getting angry. They, they have all this guilt that's, that's there. And someone says, you know, after all I've done for you, and that melts them. If you love me, you really would do this, and that melts them. If you call yourself a Christian, and that melts them. And all that's garbage, manipulative trash talk, those kind of things. But compliance fall for it every time. And a boundary is something that lets you know it's okay to say no. Another, another kind of problem in boundaries is when you run into some controllers. Controllers are people, they're not people who can't say, compliance can't say no. Com- controllers can't hear no. <laughs> you say no as best as you can. And they're like that. They just see that as a challenge to get you to do it anyway. They just roll all over. They don't respect other people's boundaries. They just kind of roll on in. And, and they take their responsibilities and somehow have a way of making it your responsibility. And they do that by manipulating. They might nail this. You know those little video game controllers? There's a couple of joysticks that, on this controlling thing. One, one little stick you can pull if your controller is anger. The controlling with anger. You use bad words, you, 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 you slam things, or sometimes you just go stone silent because you know that really gets them. Or, or, or sometimes you get physical, and it's very powerful to control with anger. Or controlling with guilt, you don't get mad, you just get hurt. And then you just use that as a little joystick to kind of control the game figures in your life. Oh, you won't be coming and bringing the kids over this Christmas? Oh, that's all right. Why would you want to come here to this old woman? I'll, I just gave my whole life to raising you kids. I don't have much of a life of my own. I know I'm not very interested. Interesting. So these, these, are, these, are, these are sort of games that we sometimes play. Whether it's an out-of-control, compliant, or a controller, what we need is to realize this isn't the way that everlasting pure love really functions in healthy relationships, and we can and must and are meant for better. In the coming weeks, we're going to unpack more and more on the positive side of what we can do when we identify some of these things. And I hope that you'll stick around for some of that. Can I just give you a couple of things that you got to do, some skill sets that God is saying it's not only okay, it's your responsibility to do if you want some more life-giving relationships. Let me give you a few. Here's, here's one. We've got to learn to love others, but without rescuing them. To love others. We're going to talk some about this, especially as it relates to parenting in coming weeks. But loving someone is not the same as enabling or going codependent with them. Love says, I'm for you, I'm on your team, but I'm not going to fix your problems. Not all of them. Number two, we've got to learn to confront calmly and with love. Some of us aren't very good at this. Some of us just... When we sense a problem, we either avoid it altogether and never bring it up, or by the time we do, it bursts out in an angry tone, or we escalate, and the problem never gets resolved. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, if your brother or sister sins against you, you've got to go to them and point out their fault. This is biblical stuff. Third, we've got to say no when it's best to say no. 
Matthew 5, Jesus says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. If you can't learn to say no, then you're going to have a lot of Girl Scout cookies and and a lot of other uh, telemarketer products in your home. Here's a phrase that someone taught me once. That doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. You can say that. It's a nicer version of no. But, you know, that tone of voice doesn't work for me. Those hurtful words doesn't, don't work for me. That inappropriate behavior doesn't work for me. I want to empower you to say no. Number four, don't shield the ones you love from the consequences of their actions. Proverbs 19 says, A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them and you'll have to do it again. So sometimes we've got to let people experience some of the difficulty and the pain. And that means I'm going to set a boundary and not go over and try to take their responsibility as my own. I'm not going to be God for them because I can't. I can't do it. I know some of you are enablers and you're, 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 the, you're, the, you're the folk that need to be encouraged today. That you can set boundaries and set limits. And some of us are probably people who trample on others. And hopefully you've seen a light shined on some of what you're doing that is not healthy. But I think we've got to trust God to to sort of help us see whether we need to bring more grace or truth to our relationships. I I, I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 13. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these words. Listen to this beautiful description. Just be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage each other. Live in harmony and in peace. And then the God of love and peace will be with you. Isn't that a beautiful description of our relationships? Harmony and joy and love and peace and God with us in the middle of it. I just want to encourage you as you seek to grow up, as you seek to make some changes, let God bring to your mind the relationships in your life where you might need to bring a change by setting some boundaries and living by them in God-honoring ways so you can get to the fruitful flourishing in relationships that you're meant to. Some of us need to take responsibility and draw some lines. Where's the dysfunction that you might need to address? Is there someone who's exercising power over you through controlling or or guilt trips or anger and you're letting them? Is there a boundary that if you set it would help you be a better steward of your life so that you're putting your life energy into the things God's calling you to rather than sort of solving everyone else's we have a, a Boundaries Care Group that kicks off in March, and a bunch of you might want to just jump in and be part of it. It's going to be a great, fun, lively discussion and learning time together. Stay tuned, and you'll hear more about that. I want to invite you to close with me right now uh, by praying together a simple prayer that um, a lot of us probably already know, some of us by heart, and it'll be brand new to others of us. Sometimes it's called the Serenity Prayer. I'm going to put it on the screen. And it's probably the best boundary prayer there ever was written. It's very simple and short. I invite you to offer your life and your relationships to the Lord as we pray this together. Are you ready? You pray with me at home and online and all of our campuses. Let's pray it together. Ready? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can wisdom to know the difference.
Let's pray together. God, this is so important for all of us, and we just ask for your help in understanding what we're to do next. We're, we're humbled as we look at all this, knowing we, we really can't change a thing. We can't change the weather. can't make it sunny today uh, and, and 80 degrees. We can't change our past. We can't change other people. But God, we can influence others through boundaries that you help us set that are healthy and not selfish, but just good stewardship. And so we invite your power and your grace and your truth and your love to give us the strength to change ourselves however you're calling us to change. God, I pray for the ones who need to set boundaries so destructive patterns in others no longer work on them. I pray you'll help some folk here stop reacting and responding and the ways that they have and take responsibility. Stop blaming everyone else for what they're choosing to do. Some of us, God, we're just, we struggle with being people pleasers. We live without limits because we, we want to gain approval of everyone and everything. Some of us need just help getting away from guilt trips. Some of us are just so afraid of someone not liking us or leaving us or God, we know that at the base of all of this, if we lack boundaries, it's because somehow we feel a little empty inside. We feel weak and afraid and alone maybe. So God, most of all, will you fill us up? Will you be enough for us? Will you be our all in all so we could find our strength in you and know that we're solid, we're strong, we're secure in Christ? And out of that, then, live a boundaried life that honors you and blesses others to the glory and praise of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Hey, Mountain Road friends, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, you, you, you weathered this horrific storm to come. I hope you feel like it was important to you. I'm glad you came. If you're a guest, we really are glad you're here as well. Next week, we're going to dive into another uh, episode of this. It's going to have a lot to do with stuff that I guarantee is going to be timely for every one of us. God may have touched you today during the service, or you want to just pray, have someone pray over your family or a certain relationship. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus. Make a plan to get baptized or join this great mountain family. Just whatever that is. There are people right up here. There will be someone praying with you right under the cross up here. And if you're new here, I want you to go meet Liz over here under the new here banner over there. She's waving. We'd love to just welcome you, tell you a little bit about Mountain in five minutes or less and send you on your way, okay? Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. God bless. Until then, live with grace and truth. Bye-bye.